2: Dive in with code WinGeeks fifteen to save fifteen percent off your first order at
1: Toink.com. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention.
0: Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair,
2: this is We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir. So am I. I have a plan. <laughs>
0: it's a plan. <laughs> it's real team, Marvel Geeks.
1: That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb.
0: Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric.
1: What a bunch of losers! I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push. We can be exactly what you need. Suit I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen. Online and ready. Welcome to another episode. Oh, issue. Issue. Yes, issue. Because we're we're comic. We're comic themed, <laughs> and our guest, who <laughs> I'll announce here in a minute, is going to appreciate that as well. Um, welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Ken. Oh. What? No, Kylan, Eric, wow, and myself, Mike. It's it's been a week. At least you it, did. Well,
3: Eric, Eric was Derek last week, so yeah. I, I was going, I was bound to get it at some point. It's all yeah. right.
1: Yeah,
0: at <laughs> some point the shows just all bleed together, don't they, Mike?
1: They do. But <laughs> I have with this gentleman a a guest who I have had the honor and pleasure of speaking with many times in the past on. Other shows, and I am so glad this opportunity came up to bring him on our show for this issue. Uh, I have with us from the Nacelle Company. You know him from the toys that made us, the movies that made us. Uh, I can't remember the name. I'm. I feel bad, but I can't remember the name of the toys uh toy shop
2: toy near,
1: you. Store near you toy store near you thank you and that voice you just heard is brian Volkweiss. weiss i, I always want to say vice and we talked about it's that right. before that's what
2: they say in germany
1: and um <laughs> but we have brian Volkweiss, weiss and we're going to talk this week because the show just dropped yesterday i believe as we're recording it's that's called right. icons unearthed marvel and this is season four that's right and it's all about the marvel universe, how it started from I love how the first episode is phase zero. So everything <laughs> prior to the MCU as we have it now. That's right. And, and there's a nice little bit in there about the greatest Marvel movie in phase zero Howard <sighs> the Duck.
2: It's one hell of a film. You Thank you. have made his day
0: yeah. by putting that in phase zero. mission. So he can, so he can
3: call that
1: well, it, it is part of phase zero, just as the infamous oh, 1978 no.
3: Dr. Strange. Do- oh,
1: yeah. So I'm going to start off. There's been four seasons of icons Unearthed. How did this show concept come about first? And then we'll get into how the Marvel season came about.
2: Um, the idea was really due to the, one of the very few, if not only frustrations uh, that I had with movies that made us, which is, you know, it's really hard to take, you know, some of the most iconic films ever made and break them down from nothing to premiere to success in 45 to 55 minutes. Um, so, you know, from the first season of Movies That Made Us, I was like, man, I wish we could do this with more time. So the idea then became like, let's pick an ide- let's pick a show that only focuses on the most iconic stuff around, but do a real deep dive, like multiple episodes per season on the same topic. But, you know, the thing that's really weird about pop culture that I didn't really understand until Toys and Movies That Made Us is there's a lot of stuff out there that everybody knows what it is. Like my wife, she doesn't know anything about Transformers. But if you show her a picture of Optimus Prime, she'll say, oh, that's Optimus Prime. And I was really interested in that phenomenon about how do these things get so big yet nobody knows anything about them and i was shocked to discover i mean we may have made the only full deep dive documentary ever about the simpsons how is that possible uh i can assure you we were the first people to ever make a doc about fast and furious Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you may like say to yourself well yeah you're right yeah i guess that's interesting but that that's a 20-year-old franchise. Yeah, yeah. In two decades, nobody dug into it. These movies, as you know, make about a billion apiece, the last four films. Right. And then, by the way, maybe you know better than me and you could tell me so I don't look like an idiot anymore, but as far as I can tell, no one's done Marvel either. Like, you have little short films or, like, stuff like that, but... How are we the first people to do a a deep dive documentary into Marvel? But I, as far as I can tell via my good friend, Google, uh,
1: that's true. Right there. Now I do know, and you've had a couple people from it in episode one the Phase Zero episode, there has been a deep dive on the Roger Corman Fantastic Four because you had Marty yeah. Langford, you had Oli Sassone, you had uh, Joseph Pulp sure. all talking about it. And of course, Marty and um, his partner, Mark Sykes, did the documentary Doomed, yep. the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. And of course, we had them on our show uh, a little while ago. And I mean, that alone could be... A, an episode and a half on just what happened with all of that, sure. And of course, there's no need for you to do it because Marty and Mark already did it. But yeah, I, I loved how you incorporated that into this episode. Oh, dude, that movie, I, I love
2: that movie. And but you're, you're you're right. Let me add a little bit of nuance. I, I meant the cinematic universe, right? So I, I know a lot of docs have been made about one movie or one comic book or one right. author, right? But I mean,
1: like. As a comic,
2: the cinematic universe like that,
1: it 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 hasn't been done. And and what you did with Star Wars, which was season one, uh, and we could we could say Star Wars because Star Wars is comic wise under the Marvel license now. Um, what you did with icons on Earth with Star Wars, you hit on subject matters in Star Wars that had never been touched in other docs yeah, and there's been a lot of docs going into the star Wars history, but you, you sort of like us with the shows. When we have guests like yourself on, and we bring up stuff that had never been discussed before you hit on stuff that had never been discussed before that with star Wars. And, and it was great. Yeah.
2: That's, that's our whole mission. That's the whole purpose of the show. That's why we call it icons on earth. I can't um, wait
1: for you to do star Trek.
2: Well, that we did Star Trek uh, for the History Channel, Center oh, that's Street. Right. That's right. That's right. On DVD in uh, April. Ah. Oh, all right, cool. I, I Three and remember. a half hours of bonus content.
1: <laughs> so when you decided to do Marvel, I mean, you could have gone the easy way out and just started 2008 with Iron Man and gone MCU. Why touch on everything prior to, for the first episode which I, I absolutely love and, and would love to continue embracing the term phase zero.
2: So um, as a director of documentaries, uh, I'm not going to say filmmaker because that's very half a um, But I think one of the most important words that I bring to the table for this work we make is context. Um, and I call it the bare print principle. Um, And what I mean by that, because that sounds random. um, If you're walking through the, the snow covered woods and you see the biggest bear paw print you've ever seen in your life, it's two feet across. It's crazy. And you take a picture of it and you post it on Instagram. And let's say a person normally gets on average 100 likes per post and you post that picture. I bet you, you probably don't even get to a hundred likes, you know, it's cool, but whatever. But if you take that same picture of that same paw print and you put a dollar bill next to it, giving it context, because okay. in white snow, that paw print that could be two inches wide, that could be 600 feet wide. You don't know. Mm-hmm. So you got to put that dollar bill there. So people know what they're looking at. I bet you get a thousand likes mm-hmm. and that's why we did episode zero Um, or phase zero, was to appreciate the success that the Marvel Cinematic Universe will go on one day to have. I think it was very important to show the four decades of failure. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Was there
0: anything when you were doing the, the deep dive research into those four decades, what surprised you the most about that?
2: You're talking about phase zero, phase zero. Gotcha. Well, I, I got I got good news for you, Eric. I've done a trillion interviews for this season. No one gives a. a am I allowed to curse? I'm trying so hard. Uh, me.
1: prefer I'm not. Trying
2: to wait, I'll wait, take your uh, as a no. Got it. No problem. <laughs> I'm from New York. So I gotta be careful. <laughs> um, but, um, no, you're lucky, Eric. Uh, no one has asked me any questions about this. So, this, this is all new ground. So, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but. No, it's, um, it, it really, for me, like, I, like I'll tell you my favorite thing I learned to actually answer your question and not just ramble. My favorite thing that I learned was um, in The Hulk, which I gotta be honest with you, I didn't really watch when I was a kid. I thought it was really stupid. Um, by the way, Dave Chappelle, this has never been in a special, um, but he used to do this joke 25 years ago where, and it sums up my opinion of The Hulk, that show where he said, and obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he said, he's like, you know, man, when I was a kid, I used to watch the Hulk. And am I the only one where I'm like, hey, David, maybe it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Every town this guy goes to, he's having problems. Like, is every town in America a problem? Or is the one guy who goes to different towns? Anyway, so that was always kind of my, Dave Chappelle has always said it best, but... I didn't know that Thor was in that series. And they have this guy, I think his name's Eric Kramer, playing Thor. And it really shows you how impressive the first Marvel Cinematic Universe Thor was. Because if you watch that episode, sorry about that. Oh, that's fine. Um, If you watch that episode, it's just a tall blonde guy wearing a pirate yeah. hat, and yeah. like, sorry, 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 a Viking hat, um, and it—that's what Marvel was until Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like, and even though you had '89 Batman, and of course the Christopher Reeve Supermans, like nobody got it right until Blade. Mm-hmm. So that's my Thank favorite. You. Thing. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Blade Blade is the, ab- and wait till you see episode two, because that, we, we get into Blade even more. But, Ugh. like, Blade figured out, there was probably 200 things that made superhero TV shows and movies suck. And they were the kind of problems where they were really hard to identify. And that's mm-hmm. why they went on for so long but somehow Blade figured it out. And you know, the example to me with Blade, like if you look at Blade in the comics, there's no way that costume would work in reality. Like Mm -hmm. wraps, there's like, it just wouldn't work. But in a comic book, it don't matter. It's an unlimited budget. You can do anything. You can have floating shoulder panels. Like it doesn't matter. But when you're making a movie, yeah. It matters quite a bit. There's this thing called physics. So like just using blades like chest armor, like they figured it out. They're like, if this guy was real and he was really doing all the stuff he's doing, he's not going to have 50 straps holding his dumb armor on. It's a simple vest with a simple clasp, simple straps holding it on. And he looks like a badass. Right. like actually yes. figured out so, and, and oh sorry no no go ahead I, was, Not, just getting back to eric's question all you got to do is look at that thor and that yeah that's
1: what the world was doing for four decades so i i want to ask your opinion um i mean i fall in that cult following of I love howard the duck i love the movie <clears throat> i thoroughly enjoy it i love torturing my daughter with it in many many ways. I'm
2: calling the cops. He is not exempt from anything. I don't know where you guys live, but in
1: California, that's abuse. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm in Florida. Um,
2: I walked into what, that one.
1: <laughs> now, it, in the in the show, you you said, um, or it said, George Lucas was a huge Howard the Duck fan. Yes. Where do you think the movie fell flat with the general public that it, it didn't really get treated right or recognized right as a Marvel me, film until blade came out.
2: Yeah. Let me give you a caveat. Cause I don't want you to think I'm disrespecting your opinion. No, my version of Howard the duck is, and I'll defend it. I'll, I'll fight all of you. I <laughs> love, love 1998 lost in space. Love it. I, okay. I don't, care if Joey's in it. I don't care if they didn't finish the CGI on that little monkey thing. I don't care. I love that movie. So Mike, I'm not disrespecting your opinion about Howard the Duck. As you said, I'm just gonna give you my opinion. Uh, that is a horrible movie and that is why the public did not like it. And uh, it, I'm, I'm trying to get your, your daughter's phone number so I can get her help. But <laughs> by the way, for the, for the record, I do, sorry. Not, I do not make my children watch 1998 lost in space, but anyway,
1: well, it, so it, if it helps any, my daughter did tell me after watching it for the first time on father's day, a couple of years ago at the end, I'm like, so what'd you think? She goes, George Lucas had a much better hit with star Wars than she did. than he did with star Howard. The Duck. That is Duck." Uh,
2: that is an accurate analysis. So. Um, but it, uh, you're not really asking me this, but I'll, I'll give you an answer anyway. How about that? Um, what is wrong with the movie? Like, why did it go sideways? I, I mean, they obviously hired the wrong director. Uh, the, the director didn't get along, uh, apparently, with anybody, including, like, production assistants. I, I've actually... We couldn't put it in the show because, you know, we don't have 10 episodes. But, I mean, I've almost never even read about... I, I don't know why he wasn't fired. Uh, and the only thing... I mean, I'm sure you saw in the show he literally alienated Robin Williams from yeah. doing the movie. like, yeah. I mean, it was just mind blowing stuff. That guy who plays Admiral Akbar, I forget his Tim name. Rose. Tim Rose. Thank, yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You're good. Um, you should see the stuff he told us we didn't put into the episode. Um, I mean, that guy was like real nutcase, the director. So that, that's why it's bad. And the other thing that was going on um, that we also were not able to put in the episode, but it was very clear um, the that Howard the Duck was the sketch that would eventually become uh, Phantom Menace. So, and it wasn't ready. I mean, it was five years too soon at a at a minimum. So there is a staggering amount of technology experimentation, not just with the puppet, but even like what I find really interesting about that movie. And again, Mike, no disrespect intended, like. If you look at the end battle with that, the big black yeah. crazy tall thing, like did ILM forget how to do like go motion? Did they forget their two decades? Like if you look at the Rancor monster, which, or the ADATs, which are ostensibly built with the exact same technology, the exact same people. I always look at that shot at the end battle and I'm like, were you guys all hung over? Like, what What were you doing? But it, knowing what I know about Star Wars now and how Phantom Menace and everything, like Howard the Duck was the practice that would eventually lead to um, the Indiana Jones Chronicles and the right. Indiana Jones Chronicles become the Phantom Menace. Right. The, the Indiana Jones Chronicles gets a lot of credit for doing the first crowd, digital crowd extensions. They tried that in Howard the Duck. And it looks terrible.
1: I I will say as a audio engineer, as a technician and stage technician, ILM probably was just following the director's vision and direction like like a technician or engineer would do. And if this guy was that bad, like we've heard, he had no vision. So they just gave him what he wanted.
2: But again, I'm not even talking about the creative. I mean, you can see the mat lines. You can see the comps. Um, they're not they're using like wacky stop motion. They're not using go motion, which they had won an
1: Oscar for three years earlier. It, it it just made me wonder how much of this was a was just getting back at the director for for just being the right. the butt that he was.
2: Normally, I would tell you that's ridiculous. That couldn't happen. But this movie, that absolutely is a high likelihood of accuracy like that, that, the, that, that movie was so off the rails And again, what I always find funny about that film and whenever this happens with any movie, you know, this isn't a bunch of schmucks that got a bunch of money from a bunch of dentists in Oklahoma and tried to make a movie. This is made by a billionaire who owns the premier special effect company of our civilization, Mm -hmm. making. And again, Mike, God bless you. I love that you love that movie. But I mean, truly making a spectacular uh, bad film. I, I mean, yeah. and, and it, to the point where, I mean, it's enjoyable, like the way Batman and Robin is to me. Oh,
3: you know, i so mean, okay? bad over that one. Did I, I, I got to throw this out here.
2: Though. Did I just cross a red line with somebody? <laughs> no,
3: it's, I, I saw that movie for free and I walked out because uh, I, when I walked out, I was mad because I was two hours. I wasn't going to get back.
2: Yeah. But I'll uh, be honest fun. with you, man. I, I watch it about once a year. It's oh so goodness. bad. It's it's a hundred and fifty million dollar high school play.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I I will admit, and I'm not ashamed to admit, but Howard the Duck does own some storage space on my iPad, and I I'm, and I do have it for those times that no, there's really nothing I want to nothing I'm interested in seeing, but this is something that I could just go duh <laughs> and be entertained. And,
2: and that's I, it for me. If I had an iPad, I guarantee you, 1998 Lost in Space would be on it.
1: <laughs> I've got the
0: 1998 Lost in Space DVD yeah. on the shelf behind me, and, and I'm right there with yeah, you. I get it. I, so I do so have to ask stuff. this question, though. Given that Howard has had some cameos in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, do you think, just not, not as a, a – uh, I won't use the word filmmaker because that's too highfalutin too uh, – as a fan of movies – a fan of Marvel movies, do you think it could be possible to make an actually good Howard the Duck? Absolutely. Using, Absolutely. What, what in your mind would it take to pull that off?
2: It would be some kind of artsy-fartsy independent director. Uh, I would, you know, it a, probably a woman because uh, they're better at getting... I, I don't mean all women and all men, but I mean, statistically speaking, like... I don't know if you saw a cocaine bear or not, but there is a nuance and a pathos to that movie about a dumbass bear, you know, running around coked out of its mind in a in a forest that I, I shouldn't be there, wouldn't be there if if I had directed that movie. So I I would find someone on the, I'd go to Sundance, I'd even go to Slamdance because you can find great people there too. I'd watch a bunch of movies and find something that speaks to myself that is in sync somehow with Howard the duck. And I would give that person the chance. And by the way, I'd also make it at a, at a good price. Like you don't make a movie like that for a hundred million dollars. You do it for 50. And then if it
1: works, you do the next one for a hundred.
3: Okay. nice, All,
1: right. All right. Kylan, you got a final question okay. for Brian.
3: I, I do actually. So, uh, so Looking at the Captain America's Phase Zero, I'm not thinking about the, the serials like from the 40s. But the Red Brown movies and the, I believe it was the J.D. Salinger movie from mm-hmm. the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Which one of those, of the, the three, which one do you think had higher quality I oh. guess over just I'll say overall quality because I have my, I have certain feelings when it comes to those three movies.
2: So I'm just curious to see where you were on, on that, on that front. Well, of those films, my favorite is JD's. So that's easy. Okay. That's not what you asked. You asked about quality. Uh, I would say it's a tie game for those films uh, <laughs> on the quality front. I, uh, and I'll tell you this and you know, I feel the same way about the uh, the fantastic four film, um, not the the pre-Michael Chiklis one. What I love about all these movies, especially Fantastic Four, like, I just always feel like there's a line producer with a director and the line producer says, you know, hey, man, you know, I'm here to support you and your vision. But I, I do want to point out that, you know, we have an $850,000 budget and the script here would probably cost about 80 or 90 million dollars. And the director says, yeah, no, I know you're right, but I- I'm not going to cut anything. So they take this insanely under-budgeted movie. It's literally under-budgeted by roughly 99.9%. Uh-huh. And they just go for it. And you can see in the movie, like like when you see the thing running, this is always my favorite moment in the movie. When you see the thing running, uh-huh. you can see the, the thing moving and his skin and like I'm looking at that, and I'm like, you guys obviously knew this was a problem. Like, you know, at least paint is like put paint this black, like right. You do it with a sharpie. You could go to a CVS down the block and get some makeup and just pull a you know a 1989 Batman Michael Keaton. Like, but they they didn't. And I guarantee you, the reason is like they probably should have had a 140 day shoot. And if I had to guess, they had a 13 day shoot and they had no time. Like they didn't even have time to go to CVS and get some, some makeup. Like, so that's what I love about all the movies you just mentioned and the fantastic four. Like they just go for it. Yeah. And they don't yes. The fire effect with storm. It's so close to being good for that era,
1: mm-hmm. but it doesn't work. But for, for nothing in
2: these movies works,
1: and I a, love it. Or a Roger Corman film. It yeah. was not a typical Roger Corman B movie. It was one that it looked like he was putting some serious yeah. input behind, especially yeah. hiring Ali Sason for it.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, what I know there's three more episodes coming because uh, it's a four episode series. No, no, eight, eight. Oh, we're doing eight. Okay. Yeah, we go up to Ant Man one. Sweet. What What do we expect with the next seven, or what can we expect with the next seven episodes? Um, a whole lot about Marvel. Okay. Uh, Kylan didn't find that funny. He
2: just checked out. Um, no, I mean, listen, it's as a film uh, maker, I, what I always try to do during the research phase is find what I like to call the spinal column. And for me, it could I just need a tiny moment, a tiny thing that says to me, that's it, that's it. That's what our show is about. And for me, Marvel, the, the spinal column is risk. You, uh, you're obviously big Marvel experts. I am so curious to see what you, here, let me tell, let me ask you this. I'm so curious to see. let me ask you this. Let me turn this around like Mel Gibson and Ransom. So let me ask you this. Did you know, and be honest, did you guys know that when they were in Albuquerque shooting Avengers, in the second week of shooting, Captain America came out in theaters. Two weeks before they wrapped, Thor, came out in theaters. Did you know that? No. No. So when I read that, that became, I go, I'm always like Darth Vader when they see Hoth. I was like, that's it. That's where they are. Like that was the eureka moment for me with this season was these people, they're not like doubling down. They're like doubling down after doubling down after doubling down, because mm-hmm. the other thing going back to Blade, because it always goes back to Blade, in addition, like the main, the other thing that Blade did that changed everything was the movie cost about, you know, I think about 50 million to make, 50 to 60. It grossed in theaters worldwide about 200, mm-hmm. probably did bare minimum another 100 million in ancillary, bare minimum. So you got a movie that made about 300 million on a 50 to $60 million budget, mm-hmm. and Marvel made 25 grand. That's what pissed off Arya Rod. That's what pissed off Perlmutter. Mm-hmm. That's what led to them going to Merrill Lynch. Like, no one ever connects the MCU with Merrill Lynch. They went to Merrill Lynch. They got a quarter billion dollar loan, and they just started making independent movies that happened to be Iron Man and all this other stuff. And the other thing... And I know you know this, but I, I some again, this is my whole point. What icons on Earth is pointing out stuff that people forget because it's in your face and you get used to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sitting here telling you they're making Avengers and Captain America comes out and Thor comes out. And luckily they were successes. These are not easy stories to tell. Mm-mm. These are very, very, very bizarre, strange stories. you got a Viking in Oklahoma yeah you, you got this skinny looking dude in 1940 and like these are weird stories. So the mm-hmm. fact that these CEOs, CFOs, lawyers, board members are all saying, let's spend that Merrill Lynch half a billion. let's go. And nobody said should we maybe push back Avengers by even a year? to see if these two really weird stories work. Um, spoiler alert, I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know the, tech, the shrinking technology in Captain America? They never got it to work while they were making the movie, and they shot every single scene with skinny Captain America three times, three different ways, because they didn't know the technology, if, if any of it would work. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... The fact that that's not enough, the fact that they're like, we're doing all this stuff and then we're gonna put them together in a year and a half. And I hope these movies work because if they don't, we're kind of in trouble because we're spending 225 on Avengers. I'm sure you probably heard the guy who played the Hulk wasn't the guy in Avengers. Like none of this should have worked. This is insane. This is like voluntarily getting on an airplane where you can see the wings are like sort of peeling off of the fuselage. Like no one would get on a plane like that. So the fact, and again, Kevin Feige is great. I love Kevin Feige. I mean, it's bonkers, what he's pulled off, but I don't think Mutter and Avi Arad get enough credit for how insane this was. Right. So anyway, I'm going to miss well, my flight. I, so,
1: I was going to say, I, speaking of planes, uh, we have to let you go. Um, because we don't want you to miss your flight. Yes, thank um, you. Check out Icons Unearthed, Marvel on Wednesdays on Vice TV That's and the right. Vice Network. Brian, please come back and join us again in the future.
2: I would love. This is one of the most. I'm so bummed I got to leave, man. This is one of the most fun interviews <laughs> I, I've done in a long time. <laughs> like, really I still. I, well, I had another question for you, but I, I'm just
3: going to hold on till to next time. When? Yeah.
1: When the opportunity presents itself to come back please uh have your people contact us because we would love to have you back
2: i would love that we'll do
1: so enjoy uh again check it out vice tv icons Unearthed. marvel you have reached the life model decoy of tony stark please leave a message
0: oh hello gentlemen
1: well thank you thursday Uh, and mm-hmm. Thursday, thank you for piping Brian in for the first half of the show. What a fun interview. Oh, yeah. and We, w- we got back. I wish we could do more. We we got to get him back. Yes, very much so. And I can't believe with all the different interviews he's had that no one has asked him what that surprising thing that you learned in regards to phase zero.
3: I know. I'm
0: just, I'm flabbergasted. He could just be lying to save my feelings, and, and I'm perfectly fine
1: with that. But you know, Eric, but, if, if you hadn't asked that question, that was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> and that should not surprise you. It
3: should not surprise me.
1: Because that, that's, but,
3: yeah. But isn't that what we do, anyway? It is what we do. Yes. We ask
1: questions. So...
0: um. <laughs> As Mike reboots after our interview.
1: No, I'm still here. I just got distracted. Uh oh. That's yeah. what I'm saying. As Mike gets rebooted. As I'm rebooted. <laughs> um, some news out of the Marvel world, as speaking of which, um, second season of What If uh, is coming when? Is it coming shortly? It
0: sounds like oh. What If is becoming When If. Yeah. Exactly.
1: But uh, according to all these stories, are coming from marvel.com from the mothership. Okay. Um they introduced a new character that's going to be in the second season of What If? And the question is, what if the Tesseract fell to Earth and landed in the Sovereign Odynasony Confederacy before the colonization of America? Well, it could potentially um the Tesseract takes on a new life and a new mythology, transforming a lake into a gateway to the stars and leading Kahori, a young Mohawk woman on a quest to discover her power. Hmm. So hmm. uh I believe this is gonna she is a new hero being introduced. Um yes, she is a new new character that will be introduced in what if? Oh cool. I, I, okay. I I think this is cool. And, and, it, and guys, I I'm digging the fact that uh, what if is going back time period wise and that. Okay. I'm trying to remember Elseworlds. Is that Marvel or is that, that DC? Was DC? Okay. That was DC. Marvel. you talking about 1602. This could go 1602 because that's almost right before the colonization of America. hmm
2: Yep.
1: So this could be, I mean, we could be touching some on the, 1602 or pre 1602 timeline in the Marvel right. universe with this. And I, I right. think this is great. So seeing this um, it's written by Ryan little. Uh, this episode was created in close collaboration with members of the Mohawk nation, like historian Doug George and Mohawk late legend, A language expert, Cecilia King, to ensure the cultural uh, authenticity. Uh, The episode takes place in the Mohawk language and is informed by the history of the Akwesasne region, which is now upstate New York. Okay. So that must have been east of where I lived in New York in upstate New York because where I lived in upstate New York was more Seneca re- was more Seneca tribal land than Mohawk.
3: <laughs> right.
1: Right. Uh, but this would but the, the Mohawk region would be uh, east of the Catskills around where West Point is and mm-hmm. all that. If I remember right. Because Seneca was more more west.
3: West. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because um, you drive through some of the Seneca Nation. um, I I drive through it on my way
1: uh, into uh, Buffalo and uh, Canada. So, yeah. So, Kahorti, which is how it's pronounced, even though there's no T in the name, it's Kahorti, K-A-H-H-O-R-T-I um but her name is actually spelled k-a-h-h-o-r-i uh but cohorti is a real wolf clan name meaning she stores the forest or is someone who motivates those around her in her debut adventure she will have to live up to her name to recruit powerful allies into the fight to save her people and change the course of history forever cool oh. now ahead okay. of her debut on disney plus Funko is celebrating Kahorti with a special glow-in-the-dark Funko vinyl soda that teases the the new hero's cosmic powers. Uh, The vinyl soda pop collectible will be on sale March 29th exclusively at Walmart. Cool. Okay.
0: You know something else I would love to see in this season of What If? Aside from the Tony Stark on Sakar episode that was supposed to be in the first season but mm-hmm. wasn't, mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Fantastic Four in here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it. this is your opportunity to introduce the Fantastic Four. This is an opportunity to introduce the Fantastic Four into the MCU before you do it in the MCU proper. Right because you still you probably still have casual fans out there who don't really know much about
1: the Fantastic 4. Right. W- would you do the same with mutants? Yes. This is a great
0: way to introduce
1: the X-Men. I agree. If not X-Men, just mutant kind in general. That too.
0: I mean, that was that to me felt kind of like a missed opportunity for season 1. Right. Right. And and also one of the things I, I I just, I love season one, do not get me wrong. But aside from that, the fact that they were connecting everything together, it was almost like, you know, phase one all over again, which you needed that in phase one. Right, right. The whole point of what if in the comics was just, it, it was an anthology. Yeah. It, it was not meant to be one story connected to the other.
1: Right. But who? I go ahead. I'm so sorry. Say, but who would have thought? What if would have been a major factor in Doctor Strange across um, multiverse of madness?
3: That's true. Yeah, which it was. So I mean,
0: I I get that. I get that. I do not argue that. But
3: I I get what I, you're saying, Eric. Because it's sort of like I mean, and I like I, I'm like you. I I loved I loved season one. But I, I kind of was like, I was kind of looking forward to what if, you know, and, and it it be this standalone story like the like the comics. Like, you know, what if, you no, know, World War II was fought in space? So you got to see, you no, know, Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos fighting Nazis over the earth, you know, in space over the earth. You know, it, you know, it, it, That that was the beauty of what if, because it it just took at least what at that time would have been a crazy concept and say, here, now, mind you, some of those crazy concepts actually come to fruition years later, you know, but, you know, um, or what if Rick Jones became the Hulk? You know? Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, um, I I, I agree. I was kind of, I was surprised that, it all ended up becoming part of one bigger story. Right.
0: Yeah, and that – and to be fair, some of the, the what-if comics, the, the events came to pass in mainstream Marvel comics as well, like mm-hmm. Jane Foster becoming Thor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean I'm not opposed to a what-if episode connecting to a later movie. Right. I just was not a big fan of it of it all connecting to each other. Right. So those, those were my two major gripes with season one. Uh-huh. And I would just love it if you don't – well, it sounds already like it's going to be centered around this new character. And she is going to be the constant in every episode. So once again, we're going to have a – it's all connected.
1: Uh-huh. Right. But I'm almost thinking, too, that Strange is going to be involved as well because I foresee Kahorti um, being pulled out of her timeline into a modern timeline at some point. Right. 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 So uh, speaking of shows, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur receives multiple honors. Uh, The new anime series was awarded with the Critics' Choice Association Seal of Female Empowerment entertainment and the common sense seal um the first one the seal represents standing new films and television series that illuminate the female experience and perspective through authentically told female driven stories makes sense especially right. since the char- main character is a dinosaur i mean a female. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which is fine. Uh, in addition, the Common Sense Media's Common Sense Seal uh, recognizes outstanding entertainment that includes age-appropriate media with the potential to spark family conversations, entertain families of all kinds, and have a positive lasting effect on society. I hate to say it, but that makes common sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it's almost a shame that this type of seal has to be something that's awarded right especially for a kid show uh,
3: well and uh now I haven't watched any episodes but uh my wife has and she said that um it is it's uh intelligently written um and they kind of they do a really good job of touching on some issues uh that, I guess with 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 um, Moon Girl being well, how old she's like what ten years old, something like that. I think somewhere there about. Um, And uh, there are some things that she kind of runs into as a a, as a young girl uh, that um, basically involves like uh, I guess no. conversations with her mom or her parents and these uh like like there's one thing with her hair um and it's and it was handled in a way that was i guess like sensitive but at the same time accessible so even if you you know even if you don't have hair like hers you can understand the, the the struggles she was dealing right. with yeah. uh, in that episode. And, and, and you know, and that's a big deal. Um, it's good that uh, you have that kind of writing, uh, it, it, especially with the kids show, because <laughs> I've seen a lot of kids, uh, not that I watch a lot of kids stuff, but there's a lot of kids stuff that just makes me want to bang my head against a wall. Um and I don't know if that's just my age. No, it's
1: not. But your it just age. seemed
3: like it just seemed like when I was a, when I was a kid. Yeah, there were some there were some things that were you know, uh, but it seemed like there were things that seemed a little bit more intelligent. You no, know, they seemed to challenge us more as children, and it just seemed like there's a lot out there now that just don't do that so it was refreshing to see marvel going that route with uh moon girl and devil dinosaur
1: i uh, eric i can't speak for you especially since mac is an adult now you know i use the a word physically yes <laughs> um but some of the, some of the shows that Zoe would watch. It'd be like, "Uh, you really shouldn't be watching this kiddo." Yeah, I mean that was something we did struggle at times with, and and some of this was stuff put out by Disney. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's not something that is. Oh, I'm picking on on the show, and I'm picking on Disney. No. Disney is catering to a specific audience for a certain time period, and it and it reflects what's happening in society at that time. Mm-hmm. It it's sometimes I think, well, I I'm not afraid of change. Sometimes there's that common sense of, this really isn't something you're you're saying this is geared for kids under the age of 9 but you're making it more of something that's ge- where if you just tightened up the artwork and really changed the tone of the voice and made it a little bit more grown up is actually for teenagers not young children yeah mhm so uh, that's it's just my thought. That's how I parent. Uh, I can't say how Eric parents. I can't say how you field agents who are ha- parents, how you guys parent. This is just how my wife and I parent agent Z. Yeah. And y'all heard her last week. Yes. She, she's got sass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an understatement. I know. Um but I don't think I've done bad raising her or we've done bad raising her. Yeah no. yes she is outspoken. No. Yes she either. is snarky. Yes she has sarcasm. Yes, she has been warned. With great powers comes great responsibility. But she also knows too, when she's on the show with us we're not gonna be offended by it because Part of it is her trying to keep up and to give give first before getting dumped on, and, and I think she holds her own with us fairly well. Yeah, Mac did the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it... could you imagine an episode of Mighty Marvel Geeks, a special episode that was done with Mac and her, with us sure. just sitting in the background going? Oh dear lord.
0: That may have to be a bonus episode one day. We we may That's have to true. we may
1: have to try and pull this off.
0: It, yeah, because I mean every kid is different, every set of parents is different and you know, you may not always have both parents in the home. Um it could be a single parent, could be like a step parent involved. Right. It's just like there's so many variables It's I, oh, yeah. but i I prefer to this is how we did. we tried to keep it age appropriate and we a lot and we would try to watch as much of what he was watching. And I'm just gonna admit it i I kind of became a fan of Thomas the Tank
3: engine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thomas I, the I, train
3: I, wasn't bad. Uh, well you know what? I, I will say this. All right. So back in the summer, uh, the movie, was it Bullet Train, came out? Mm -hmm. And there was this guy in the movie, and one of the assassins categorized people based on Thomas the Tank Engine. Like you know, based on your personality, he say if you were, and I'm not familiar with the, I, I'm I'm familiar but not enough to be able to name characters beyond Thomas. But he would like, oh, you're blah blah blah. So you're a, uh... and I was like, wow. And like honestly, I get it. Like I, the, with certain kid shows, there is a depth to it mm-hmm. that an adult can get that carries through like you know you might be watching this and you might be like I you said you, you became a fan of it and it makes sense you know right. there's That's something to it, it. In, in all fairness
0: Thomas has had some pretty good narrator people I mean he's had Ringo Starr and George Carlin it doesn't get much better right? than that <laughs> and the music is kind of catchy So, I mean, yeah, and I guess I guess watching childhood things, childish things is pretty much what we do here. I mean, if you get right down to it, we talk about comic books and movies and toys all based on characters who were in comic books or are in comic books. Mm hmm. And a lot of us is, is clinging to fandoms that we have had since we were kids. Right.
1: I, I right. resemble that.
0: I said were.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, there's a new series that also debuted this week as we're recording called M. Power on Disney Plus. Uh, from Carol Danvers to Wanda Maximoff to the women of Wakanda to and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Empower unpacks the journeys of these characters from their birth in Marvel Comics to the MCU and beyond. Archival footage, mention native animation, and candid interviews are worked in tandem to provide uh, to profile how these characters and women behind their their success have impacted fans around the world. Uh, right now, there are st- four episodes. I haven't
0: seen it, but didn't it debut on National Women's Day? I believe International it did.
1: Day. I do believe so, it did.
0: Yeah, that's that, uh, that's a that's a good day to debut this. It's I a
1: have. it's a four part original series. Uh episode one is the women of Black Panther. Episode two is Captain Marvel. Episode three is the Scarlet Witch. And episode four is Gamora. Okay. So uh Yeah, I I definitely want it, to – it's it's on my growing list of stuff I want to see. <laughs> um,
0: it's on my list of shame, stuff that I say I'm going to watch, but three years later, I'm going to get around to watching that one of these days. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, I don't say that to disrespect the, the series. It's just you guys know – uh, you'll be asking me it's like have you have you seen this? I go no, I haven't. it's been out on Disney plus for a year. I said yeah, I know I just have watched it
1: And then finally <laughs> see how much I could stretch this out me a little time uh, Marvel Snap explained what is days of future past? One of the most celebrated arcs in X-Men history is coming to the newest season of Marvel Snap. Uh, As Marvel Snap players have seen, the new season is based on the tale. Uh, One of the potential mutant-based futures, the version taking place on Earth-811, features a bleak world where I am trying to combine the two words and it's not going to work. Professor Xavier's dream of a peaceful coexistence between mutants and humans definitely fail or definitively fail. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go check out uh, Marvel snaps Ben Brode talking about the days of future past on Marvel's pull list podcast. So um, yeah, and I have discovered I have gotten a little bit better (laughs) about playing Marvel Snap. <laughs> so um at this point in time, I'm gonna say any final thoughts, gentlemen.
0: Marvel uh, Snap
1: is on my list
0: of things that I want to play at some point, but just have not gotten around to yet.
3: He's I it's a shame. I am <laughs> I, um, I am Unabashedly addicted to the game and uh, play several times every day. Um, and I was completely okay With the fact that um, When the new season started I had to go back three ranks best. <laughs> so it's fine <laughs> It's fine I'm not upset at all
1: <laughs> Okay um, Again Go check out on Vice TV Icons on Earth Marvel uh, With that was done by executive producer Brian Volk Weiss, who you heard earlier in the show. Um wanna know more about that, go to Vice I think it's ViceTv.com. Mm-hmm. Or at least Google Vice TV or Vice Network. That'll get you there. Also to um check out his company, the Nacelle Company. Yes, like the Nacelle from the Starship Enterprise. The mm-hmm. engines on the on a Federation Starship are called Nacelles. That's where the name came from. The Nacelle Company. That and you can learn more about icons on Earth and other projects that they have done. Um, I know I asked once, but I'm just going to double check make sure. Final thoughts, gentlemen. I'm all thoughted out. Yeah, Eric's being all quiet. I'm thought it out. And on that note, Thursday, if you would, please. Oh, spoiler alert. Thursday.
2: All wrapped
0: up here, sir. Will there be anything else?
1: Nope. Time to go dark. Maybe do another systems check.
2: Are you kidding? I'm working.
1: This takes precedence.